Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. Welcome back to the Herman Cain Show. Adam Goldfein here filling in for Herman Cain. Thank you so much for joining me. Big breaking news today. Not only do we have the, uh, the announcement yesterday of Scott Walker as number 15 to the Republican starting lineup, but we also have the announcement by the president uh, this morning around 7 a.m. of the Iranian nuclear deal. On the line with us, our very own Jamie Dupree. Real fast, give us a, a very quick political update, and then if possible, I'd like to get maybe some of the reactions that you're hearing around town to the Iranian deal. Yeah, I mean, let's start with that. Look, uh, we haven't seen the details, but uh, both sides pretty much uh, have an idea of what they're going to say about it. For the White House and Democrats, it's a, it's a principled agreement that will limit the options of the Iranians to uh, get a nuclear weapon. And, you know, I mean, we'll have to see whether or not the, the details actually show that out. But I think for a lot of Republicans, this is exactly what they don't want. They've been arguing against it for months. And to them, it's just uh, it's the wrong choice, period. They think that it actually paves the way for the Iranians to get a nuclear weapon. And uh, I would think that just about every Republican presidential candidate will be on the record uh, later by, you know, later this afternoon uh, for exactly that. Uh, I think that they just look at this as a bad deal and a bad deal in their mind is one that shouldn't be pursued at all. Uh, the the way it's going to go down in the Congress is this. There will be 60 days, two months, for the Congress to look at all the details at them, and then they can vote on a resolution of disapproval. So they can disapprove of the deal. The president said very clearly today he will veto that resolution. So then you would have to muster a two-thirds supermajority in both the House and Senate to override that veto and then reject the agreement. Because of that, it's sort of stacked against you know, the opponents of the agreement getting two thirds. I'm not sure they can get there. They'll probably get every Republican. They will get some Democrats. But can they get to two thirds? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. In, in both houses. I mean, it's, it's exactly, exactly. It's in both exactly. houses. So the president essentially needs 34 Democratic senators. Yeah, and there are about 14 or 15 Democrats in the Senate who have uh, expressed some reservations, but they've also all given themselves the wiggle room, I think, and the administration will certainly go into overdrive to try to argue that there are enough uh, countermeasures in place and checks on the Iranians and more. Now, remember what happened when we had that interim uh, agreement that was announced a couple of months ago. Remember how the U.S. fact sheet said one thing and then the Iranians said something different? Uh, You know, we're going to have to look and see what happens on that front. So the details not yet known, but the battle line certainly very, very clear. How, how does this affect Hillary Clinton like it affects Pelosi? Is, is, is Hillary um, projected to walk that kind of fine line of supporting Israel but trying to not abandon the Democratic Party and abandon Obama? Yeah, it, it does put her in a bit of a, a pinch because obviously she's going to be looked at anything she does right. and, how it re- and how it reflects on the president is going to be a big deal. And so uh, I would think that one would think that unless there is something really, really, really wrong with the agreement that she would sort of hedge her bets and stand with the administration, but, you know, make some sort of call to say, look, we've got to have an awful lot of review of this. We've got to have people watching this. We've got to make sure the Iranians are following through. But I, I, I guess right now in the quick readout, I might find it really hard to imagine Hillary Clinton coming down against this agreement simply because you're going to get such strong Republican opposition as well. And that would put her directly in the GOP camp. And I'm not sure that she's going to end up there. So you think that she'll come down because of the politics? No, I just think that because of uh, the preponderance of her party being for it yeah. more than anything else. But the politics is also a part of it. I mean, remember, if you're going to come out against this, that means you're going to be standing with every single Republican who's running against you. I just and think that she's in such a unique position. There's no other candidate that was a former Secretary of State. 
No, you're absolutely right. But I would assume that uh, if the administration is going to be able to sell other Democrats, they're going to be able to sell her on the idea that there are enough, uh, uh, there's enough oversight and enough restrictions on the Iranians there. Now, maybe we get into the details, and there are questions raised, and she's able to uh, pick out one or two things in there that she doesn't like and focus on that. We'll just have to wait and see. You know, again, we don't know all the details of what's in this. Yeah. And we'll have to wait and see them as they come out. And again, we have to also wait and see what the, how the Iranians uh, showcase it and what they say and what they put out as well. Do you, do you think that this will now change some of the conversation, you know, away from immigration and let's say what Donald Trump has been talking about with the sanctuary cities uh, towards more of a foreign policy push? Nah, I don't know. I'm I'm never convinced that Americans are that interested in, in in foreign policy. Only in times of crisis. This certainly is an issue that comes up. Scott Walker brought it up yesterday in his announcement. It'll come up. It's a it's an applause line for a lot of Republicans to talk about that they don't support the president on this. That they they oppose the deal. That they think the Iranians are just on a path to getting a nuclear weapon. So it'll still be there. I I, I find it hard to believe that this is going to become the uh, dramatic issue in the race for the White House, but it certainly will be one over the next uh, two-plus months as this issue moves through the Congress. So, so if you were ranking the kind of key issues the way you see them coming out, and it's interesting, as you say, that it has maybe a lower priority, uh, the American appetite is more for the, maybe the domestic or the economy or jobs, you know, where, where would you rank this in the order? Oh, I don't know. I still put it after, uh, you know, jobs and economic security. You know, people still feel uncertain about the economy right now. Um, I tend to, you know, put it maybe even a little below uh, the threat of Islamic terrorism and the Islamic State. Again, it's an issue of concern. I'm not downplaying it. No, I but I just, I just over the years have never been sold on the idea that we're having foreign policy-centered elections. This will be an important thing, but I just can't believe it's going to be the only thing. Right. I gotcha. So, so give us a sense, though, of what do you think is now with the 15th, uh, you know, entrant into the Republican, uh, you know, the race? I think right now, Scott Walker, look, and we're getting in yesterday. It was a very good event for him yesterday here in Wisconsin. I think that uh, he, he can make a good case for himself. He has obviously a, uh, a record to run on. And speaking to people who support him yesterday, they were very clear in their thoughts that they think that he can take that record from the state of Wisconsin and take that nationally. And that's uh, his record of reform, his record of taking on the unions, his record of not backing down. You know, I think there's still a lot of people out there that don't know that much about Scott Walker, mm -hmm. but they, uh, you know, I think he's got a lot of room to grow. And he, again, I'll say this, I think he's able to to walk through different parts of the Republican Party without really being tripped up by people. He has Tea Party supporters and a lot of them. He has supporters in the more conservative wings of the party. He has a lot of supporters in the religious side of the party. He's very open about his faith. Uh, he also is, look, he's part and parcel of the GOP establishment here in the Badger State. And I, I, I talked to a couple of state senators and county executives yesterday uh, from uh, Wisconsin who were very, very pleased with him and think he's done a good job. So in that sense, he floats in all those different groups, and I think that that really gives him an advantage over, say, somebody like a Jeb Bush, who is sort of viewed a bit suspiciously by some on the Tea Party side. Um, you know, maybe Marco Rubio can float in all those different groups, but Scott Walker, I think, does have a very good chance, and the one thing he can say is, look, I've done this, I've stood up to the unions, I've stood up to the liberals, and I won each time. I mean, remember, he won in a blue state, he, uh, he got reelected, he won that recall election, 
I don't think I think that this is he's you know he has the opportunity here to be one of the top two or three candidates on the Republican side. But as in life, as in everything, you know this. You can have the table set for you. Sure. It doesn't mean you're going to win. And so that's the that is the I think the challenge for Scott Walker here is to take that from here and then hammer that message home. The good thing for him is he's ahead in Iowa, and I think that's a big big deal for him. Yeah, I think the challenge for so many of the candidates is going to be how to be heard. Right? They have a bar fight with the lights out. You have 15 people all vying for attention versus uh, one on the other side and, and, and Bernie talking in Vermont. Yeah, and you, you and I both know this, that Donald Trump has been uh, using up a, a lot of the news oxygen right. in recent days on the Republican side, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. We've got the first debate coming up in just over two weeks, two, three weeks, and Trump will get a lot of attention there. But, you know, somebody like Scott Walker, by being ahead in the polls, he automatically gets a lot of attention when he travels around the country. Because one of the first things you'll say on the news is Scott Walker, who's leading in the polls in Iowa, you know, that's the introduction to almost every story as he goes around the country. So, so, so what happens to the other candidates that are, let's say, from number 9 through 15, the George Patakis oh, and, you know, all, all of those other candidates that no one's even talking about? Well, I, I think it's even a stretch for those who are like, um, say, 4th and 5th. Okay. On down. Yeah. I really think that Donald Trump takes up a lot of energy and takes it away from people like a Ted Cruz or a Rand Paul or a Ben Carson. And, uh, you know, Cruz does have the money where he can be heard. But also Donald Trump takes away a segment of voters who might be into that sort of the, you know, the outrage type of voter on the Republican side that wants to throw the buns out and start anew and sure. get everything. And that's why they like Donald Trump. That's why they like the way he addresses things, the bluntness, et cetera. And and, um, you know, it'll be interesting, too, to see what do Scott Walker, Jeb Bush, and Marco Rubio do in a debate if Donald Trump comes right after them? You know, if he really goes after them in a very personal way, like he's already done against Jeb Bush. And that'll be a test for everybody. You know, once yeah. again, uh, it's easy to give your speech. And Scott Walker does a very good job. I've heard his speech so many times that what he said yesterday was no surprise. He hewed to it, and he gave it off the top of his head, no teleprompter, no nothing. But, again, it's those unscripted moments from time to time. Well, what I'd like to see, I'll tell you what I'd like to see, and I, I think who Trump is going to have a tremendous impact on, is I'd like to see the Chris Christie Donald Trump conversation. That would be, uh, you know, a, a, a pit fight. Adam, I think there are a lot of political reporters crossing their fingers and hoping that Chris Christie makes it in the top ten for the first two debates. Because if there is one person that would go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him and who has experience with him from yeah. being the governor of New Jersey with Trump doing all of his development in Atlantic City and other places, sure. yeah, that, that would be a show. That could well be a show. That would be a show worth paying for. I'd pay-per-view that deal. And the, the other thing is, though, I do think Donald Trump has a greater impact on someone like Chris Christie because Chris Christie is that kind of forward, you know, in-your-face, uh, you know, personality. And he would have stood out if Trump wasn't in the race as being the one guy being able to declare, I tell the truth kind of deal, I, I say it without, you know, pulling punches. A and Trump has one-upped them. No, you're absolutely right. And listen, uh, Trump is going to be able to get an awful lot of support in a state like uh, New Hampshire, where Christie has been trying to, to move ahead. And I, I don't think you can underestimate the impact of Trump on all of these candidates. Yeah. It is not just on the guys who are 9 to 15. It's on everybody. And that's, you know, look, that's why Scott Walker, Jeb Bush, and Marco Rubio, they are going to fight really, really hard here in the months ahead to make sure, A, they don't get dragged down by Trump, but also that they're 
are able to get their message out over him because, I mean, look, Trump's in Virginia today. He's at the opening of some oldest state that he's rehabbed or something like that. I'll guarantee you there will be 15 TV cameras there, not to do a story about the estate that he's rehabbed, but about him and the presidential race. All right, so what do we have to look forward to? We've got about 30 seconds. Give us kind of a recap. What's coming next on the agenda? Uh, what's coming next is the first GOP debate is in Cleveland on the 6th of August. That's a Thursday, so I think that's, if I can add right, that's uh, two, two, three weeks from this Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be, uh, that'll be the first big session. We'll find out in coming days who's going to qualify for that. Then we have another debate in mid-September and out in California at the Reagan Library. Those are the two big things. One more Republican, big-name Republican, gets in the race. That'll be the governor of Ohio, John Kasich. He'll get in next Tuesday, and the field will pretty much be set. Uh, we appreciate it. That's our very own Jamie Dupree. Jamie, thanks so much for spending the time with us today. See you, Adam. Absolutely. I greatly appreciate it. I'm Adam Goldfine filling in for Herman Cain. Your reaction to the nuclear deal, 877-310-2100. That's 877-310-2100. Herman Cain on the radio every day. Herman Cain on demand at HermanCain.com. Click on Cain 24-7. Momentous day, not beyond the just a simple politics, but also the Iranian nuclear deal. We're discussing it. 877-310-2100. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.